Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. It's an investment in yourself and like your overall happiness and balance in life. It's more than nutrition coaching. The concept of being pretty good most of the time, that was very new. Just in general, that's not what the nutrition space preaches. Here's what you need to do. Here's the rules that you need to follow. And I think sometimes we latch onto that. If I just know exactly what to do and I just have these rules, that'll fix everything. That's sending you further down a dark hole of an unhealthy relationship with food. Welcome to the Afternoon Snack Podcast. I am your most beautiful host, Alex, and today I am not here with my lovely partner, Meredith, but instead a special guest. I am excited to welcome Tanya Turner, my longtime client. No, she is not a country music star, although she does have a great name for it. 10 out of 10 would buy her album if she had one. Tanya is very special to me. Not only has she been my client for over a year, but we have a lot in common. We have bonded over running, mindset, and nutrition. So much so that she flew out here to Fernie from Boise, Idaho to run the 50K Elk Valley Ultra with me. We will be talking about that experience along with the 1,000-day commitment she's made to Tactic, her values, and how she balances life as an endurance athlete, wife, and mom of two young girls, and how her mindset and outlook on nutrition have changed drastically. I've been excited to have Tanya on for a while, and what better way to do it than face-to-face in Fernie on a day that we are too sore to do anything else. Let's roll. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the show. Hi. I know it's awkward because we've been hanging out together for like two days straight, but you came all the way from Boise, Idaho. It's pronounced Boise, actually. Boise? Oh. Yeah. But so now I've that's how you not can only tell. mispronounced your name, yeah. but I've also mispronounced where you're from. I'm Tanya from Boise. Not Tanya from Boise. Yeah. <laughs> okay, noted. Hopefully I don't make another mistake. Okay, so why are you out here? We ran a really hard 50K. The Elk Valley Ultra. Did I invite you out? And when was that? Must have been ages ago. Well, I was trying to figure out if you invited me out. One time you asked me to do a relay and I couldn't figure out. Well, I couldn't. Last summer. We yeah. needed a third. You needed a third, but I couldn't quite figure out if you figure out if you were asking me to do it. And then I was like, oh, I, I would go except for this. And I'm like, maybe she wasn't inviting me. Oh, I was. I was <laughs> oh, you were inviting third. me. Yeah. So then when you were like, what do you think of this? And you sent me the link to the race. I would have never done this race on my own. It's like it was way too much elevation gain. But I was like, eh, chance to meet Alex and Meredith, y'all go. <laughs> yeah. So you came out for that and you flew into Montana and then drove across the border, mm-hmm. which is about two hours away. And then you're heading back later tonight. But I'm glad that you came because it was great to meet you because we've been working together for so long, like a mm-hmm. year and a half. We'll talk about that. But also because I got injured last Saturday, so a week before the race, and wasn't sure if I was going to run. And I actually had decided not to run so much so that I posted about like giving injuries time, being patient, what to do when you're injured, how to handle them. Probably about five minutes before you arrived to our house in Fernie, I was lying on the couch thinking like, my leg is actually feeling a lot better. And I was starting to feel like a lot of FOMO because I knew you were coming. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do tomorrow? Just like wait around all day, which like, sorry for Meredith, that's what she basically did, but it's a long race. So I was like, 
I'm going to still have to get up at four to like yeah. get you to the race to start and like be there. And so then I was like, well, what if I can run? And then you arrived and I was like, hey, I just was talking to Meredith about potentially running. And you were like, do it. <laughs> so, so, definitely so do it. So I just, I committed to running leg one and seeing how my leg felt. And then I would drop out if I had to after I, 20K. I, I knew you would do the whole thing. Yeah. There was one moment on the up where I was like, my leg's tingling and it feels like numb. But it went away and I was like, oh, I actually feel better. Yeah. I almost needed to like just work the rest of the injury out. Like it has to get a little worse before it gets better type thing. So how did you enjoy the race? I loved it. I was pretty nervous just because it, that was really hard. It's a lot of elevation gain, very technical. So like it's a lot more walking than what I do like in the foothills training where I'm from. But the views were spectacular. The community is spectacular. That's like what's so fun about ultras is like no one's really in a hurry you're out there because you love being out there. And if you're feeling down one hour, like an hour later, you can come back and feel like a million bucks. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. It was for me, like having run races in between, because you run a lot of marathons too and halves. It's a completely different vibe. Like yeah. it's still running, but it's a completely different approach. Yes. Mentally, physically, nutrition wise, like a lot of the same basic supply. But I was like, even the first... Because the race started at six. I was like, oh, it's okay if I eat a bagel like a little bit closer to the start. Because it's not like you're just like right out of the start gate at higher intensity. The way that it is hard is different. Yeah. It's more enduring. Yeah. It's like less intense for a lot longer. Yeah. Versus pushing as hard as you can for three hours in a marathon. Yeah. And you have to be really focused on where you put your feet. Yes. I I was mentally exhausted at certain points. So leg one of the race was really technical, super steep. And then you're coming down really sharp rock. So you're always thinking like, where am I going to put my foot? Any slight misstep, you could go down and get hurt. And I remember hitting leg two and just being mentally relieved that it was just a trail. And I Yeah, like a run. bike trail, single track. But then that is like, ironically, where I took a spill. <laughs> my toe clipped a root and I just went flying and landed on my hip and lost my sunglasses. Was it on a downhill? No, it was when you left the first aid station and it's just that That's super chill. It's like the most chill spot. Like you you let yourself relax just a little bit. Yeah. You let your guard down. And then the one route on the, <laughs> and then the trail. You just go flying. You're like, oh, man. <laughs> the first time I fell, I didn't actually hit much other than like my knees and my hands. I kind of was like grabbed myself. Mm -hmm. The second time I went down, I like kind of flew and like rolled on and you like fell twice yeah and the second time i fell there was a guy behind me that was like oh, oh. Are you all right bud it's <laughs> like yeah thanks 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 what's what's the female version of bud thanks girl thanks thanks gal yeah so you fell only once on like yes I, I mean i had a lot of really close calls especially well on all the legs honestly but I fell pretty hard. And then did you like bounce back up or did you take a second? Well, I got up as quick as I could because no, luckily no one saw it. And I was like, I got to get this together. <laughs> I don't need any witnesses. Then I figured out probably like a minute later that I, that my sunglasses weren't on my head. So I turned around and people were confused. And then I had to like admit, yeah, oh, I fell and lost my sunglasses and I never found them. Sad day. Yeah. I got to the aid station and the woman was like, oh, that's a nasty scar or nasty scratch. But it was actually the scratch I'd gotten like this. Yes. I mean, it was like a I ripped a bunch of skin off my elbow, but it was like it was from the previous weekend. But when I fell, I had 
re-scratched it. So like some of the scab came off. But yes, the guy was like, he's like, you okay, bud? I was like, yeah, I kept clipping my toe. So I felt like that was inevitable. Yeah. But I imagine most people are like very close to falling. Mm -hmm. You get that like zing through you, that like zing of adrenaline whenever you almost fall. Your heart rate spikes. (laughs) And then you're like, ooh. As an adult, like falling doesn't doesn't feel good. No. Like even not like even if you don't get hurt, like just the feeling of your body going down, you're like, my stress levels are really high. Mm-hmm. You have to like quickly assess yourself. <laughs> yeah. So that's fun about trail running. And then the third leg, that one was That was really hard. Yeah. Like when you see the final pitch that you have to go and you can just see the little dots of people going up it and it's there's no shade. It's very exposed. And like you look down at your Garmin and it doesn't even think that you're moving because that's how slow you're walking. Yeah. I think at that point you were at like 30. So in, in kilometers, I think you were at like 9K to go. And yeah. then it just starts taking so slow. Yeah. And you're like, am I ever going to finish? The uphill miles go so slow compared to, yeah. Yeah. Compared to the di- downhill or any flat sections. Mm-hmm. But even I found that downhill to be pretty brutal. I thought my knees were going to explode. Because even I think when I had like four miles left, four or five miles left, thinking like, oh, I'm almost there. But then realizing, no, that's still an hour at least Mm -hmm. of time out there. Because like to put it in perspective, it took me nine and a half hours to finish the race, which I was very happy with. But that's still like because it's so technical, making up time on the downhill is not really. I mean, I guess you can make up some time, like if you have that skill set but this terrain is not what i practice on at all so it just wasn't really worth the risk of yeah i like i don't i mean most people know i don't like tr- do trail running competitively so i did this race cuz my friend did it last year and convinced me to do it this year i noticed when I, people were passing me on the downhill how skillful you have to be mm-hmm. how much like experience plays a role and like not experience and like learning about like yourself like being better at the sport having confidence kind of like probably your brain learns how to like know where to put your feet move faster that sort of thing there was one point at the very end i didn't think anyone was even close to me because every time i look back there was no one i felt very alone and then the very end probably like a kilometer and a half from the finish these two people like just come screaming from behind and one girl it was a guy and then a girl and she was like tucking behind you know for a good downhill pacer and I was like, my legs are not going to be able to handle that, but good job. <laughs> and they just took off, but they were quick, like yeah. very nimble and quick. And yeah, I could see how that could, you could make up some mm-hmm. time with that. And if your legs don't feel like they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. And your kneecaps are going to pop off. But I didn't get passed on the second two legs, but I think that was not due to my skill. It was but... due to your nutrition, probably. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. <laughs> But I was, I think it, I was conservative on the first leg, like yeah. intentionally. So then I felt really good for legs two and three. So that helped a lot. Yeah. So let's talk about nutrition. So I talk a lot about my nutrition for marathons, which is endurance sport, but it's also like a shorter endurance sport to some degree compared yeah. to like three, three and a half hours, which is your marathon time mm-hmm. compared to nine and a half or even like next month, you're going to be doing a hundred mile race in Bend. Yep. So let's talk about nutrition for that. Like I, I have some in ultra endurance racers and I try to give them kind of an idea of like what to hit per hour because you can be a little bit more fluid with it, but you definitely don't want to go by feel. 
you have right. to stay on top of it early and like often early you don't feel like eating or at the end you don't feel like eating or you don't feel like eating certain things because if you're out there for nine and a half hours you're doing like all gels that can get kind of brutal yeah so what's your strategy and then you have a huge endurance background so how many half marathons have you run now i think i'm up to 95 okay and then marathons 20 20 mm-hmm. you've run another 100k mm-hmm. and a couple other ultras yeah like a few 50ks yeah and then two Ironmans. Oh, yeah. So you have a ton of experience. And eight half Ironmans. Okay. Mm -hmm. So having worked with me, and we'll talk about kind of the lifestyle aspect of your nutrition, but since working with me and kind of being in the ultra community, have you changed your endurance fueling strategies a lot? And you see other people, like sometimes you note to me, so this is a bit of a leading question, that people just don't take that seriously. Yeah, absolutely. I just went on a bike ride last week with a big group. There were like 14 of us, I think. And people looked at me and they said, wow, you have a lot of snacks. And in my head, I was like, really? This is actually like just enough. I do think that's something that gets overlooked because, I mean, all coaches are different, but usually people who do your programming, they'll give you suggestions, but like they're not there to hold you accountable to like, okay, how did that go? What did you take in every hour or what did you eat before? What did you eat after? And especially if you don't have any experience with tracking or just understanding macronutrient breakdowns. If a coach, I remember one coach telling me, yeah, make sure you have X amount of carbs and X amount of protein after a workout. That didn't mean anything to me. So I just like kind of ignored it. Like it was, it was too much for me to, you know, so I think that has been really helpful since working with you, because now I get all of that. So if you say have this many carbs and this much protein or whatever it is, I know, oh yeah, I can do that. I'll figure it out. But overall, I think a lot of people probably underfuel. Like it's just not. And even like now looking back to what I did on Ironmans and the 100K I did, I'm like, how did I survive that? Like, cause now I'm so particular about yeah. making sure I have enough. You can definitely do it under fueling. But yeah, it's like, you how can. do you feel during, how do you feel at the end? How do you feel after? That's the kicker. Most people can complete these like races without proper fueling or electrolyte intake or fluid intake, but like it's going to get dicey. As soon as it starts hurting, like hurting and like bonking or like you can't come back from that. That's actually probably the biggest change. Not like the feeling during running, but like afterwards, I have a one and a three-year-old at home and before I had kids, after a long run when I wasn't feeling right, I was just worthless on the couch. But I I can't afford to do that. I bounce back a lot quicker. My sleep is better. So I can go run for 25 miles and then play with my kids, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Meredith came to see me after when we were waiting for you because I finished at seven and a half hours. So we were waiting for you to finish. And Meredith came back from the bathroom and she was like, oh man. So I just saw this girl who like clearly had just run the 50K and like, or and had just finished. Her legs were all muddy and stuff. And she's like, you know, at the sink, washing her hands with her kid, like mm-hmm. holding her, like basically like parenting. And she's like, well, that would be rough. Yeah. Cause like I come back and I just like literally change my clothes and sit in a chair. And Meredith's like, can I get you anything? <laughs> but yeah, there were a lot of people there who I think from my perspective, the endurance community is, can be older and yeah. often is. And mm-hmm. so there are a lot of like families and kids and stuff. I remember the same thing when Meredith did her Olympic distance triathlon. It was the same thing. Like, a lot of 
kids were around and like a lot of parents, they would finish and they'd be carrying their kids. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. But yeah, that recovery is really important. You can't just lie on the couch all day after, Mm -hmm. at least not after training every weekend. Because you're logging for your 100 miles. How many weekly miles are you logging now? I'm anywhere between 60 and 80, just depending on the week. I'm self-coaching for this because I wanted to be able to integrate running with my family and not have structured workouts where I felt guilty missing them if I, you know, if it made more sense to run with my daughters or whatever in the stroller. But yeah, I'm kind of dabbling in that zone. I think 80 is a bit much for me personally. The 60 to 70 is, I think, about right. Yeah. So and then that kind of brings me to the next question. You have a one-year-old and a Mm three-year-old. They're almost two and four. Okay. So two and four, a husband Mm -hmm. and two dogs. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance that with that amount of training? Because you also do CrossFit as well. Kind of yes, I do. That volume varies depending on your like where you are in the season for running. Mm-hmm. But you, so you're pretty active, yeah. Outside and it's yeah, you can run with a stroller, but it's not like you know you can take your kids on a five, six, seven, eight, ten hour long training run. Right. So how do you balance that goal, those fitness goals, and how, like even the last few years before you had kids, and now like how do you work that all together? Because I know a lot of clients and people out there struggle to find time for their health goals. And then when they do, there's a lot of guilt. Yeah. They say like mom guilt or dad guilt or parent guilt, whatever you want to define it as. It was a very big adjustment because before we had kids, my husband and I have very different hobbies. He likes to hunt and fish. I like endurance sports. So I would sign up for a race and leave like the state and he'd be like, cool, I'm going to go fish. And we, it worked really well for us. And then once you throw a kid into the mix, that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> and you're you're both trying to like split your time and still feel like you're doing things for yourself. So that was a very big adjustment. With one kid, it was easier, I think, because we had a very easy baby. She was predictable and we navigated that fairly well. I'm also a morning person and my husband is an evening person and that also works well. So like he would stay up late with the kids, like if they needed anything and I'd go to sleep and then I'd wake up early, get my workouts in before anybody woke up. I was almost more disciplined with my working out because it wasn't like, oh, I can press snooze and run later. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, here's your window. Get up and do it. Yeah. And then with two That's kind of been a process for my husband and I. It takes a lot of communication. I know last fall I had tried to get into endurance sports and it just like didn't work. It was too much guilt. And I think if you're feeling like you're pulled two different directions and it's not you're not enjoying the process, like take a step back. It's not that you're not going to do it, but maybe wait till it makes more sense. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to jump back into wherever we were. I have some mom friends who will ask me like, okay, it's been a year and I want to get back into exercising and I feel like it's taking me forever. That's actually not that long. Be kind to yourself, ease into it. Like the progression of me staying active ever since I've had two kids really was a slow burn. Like it it started with, I can do a 20 minute Jillian Michaels video at home. There's my window, go do it. And don't beat yourself up if you didn't do five workouts that week. It's like, okay, I did what I could. Yeah. And that's coming from somebody who has has the history of fitness and exercise. And that, yeah, I did that for a few months, I think. And then I think three months in, 
when my daughter, my youngest was three months, that's when I started working with you guys. And that was even more helpful because you guys obviously have that same approach of just do what works. I love your most recent melon video of like your, your shifting priorities. And now I would say my husband and I are in the best groove we've ever been in training, especially with me training for the hundred, because like we sat down together and I showed him like, this is what I think I want to do as far as volume and how it's going to work. And when I'll be away. Like I think being on the same page of, as your spouse that they understand what the time commitment is, is very important. So I do like a two week build and then a one week recovery weekend. And so those are the weekends where I'm like, okay, this is a stroller weekend if I need it to be. And my husband just knows, okay, I can go fish for the weekend, but it's it's a better balance of our time. And we both understand like where I'm going to be at. Cause it is, I mean, it's a big time commitment. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a couple of weeks ago, you were like, you went away with your family, but you, it seems like there's a yeah. lot of planning ahead, knowing that, okay, this is going to be the week where I'm deloading mm-hmm. and it is going to be just like staying on my feet, you going on hikes, you know, putting your, your daughter in a stroller and walking with her just to get time on your feet mm-hmm. and being happy with that and not holding yourself to this like unrealistic standard is like, we always say like, you know, it's very, very rare in life that you can do what is ideal. So yeah. it's like you need to do what's ideal for you in the circumstances that you're in and know that that's enough given all of your competing priorities. I think it's hard when people have type A personalities too. Like when you get a plan, you have to remind yourself that it's a plan. The intent is not that you do it perfectly. Yeah. Like because life happens and you have to adjust and it's almost like adapting to that. Well, is just as important. That's like why I started Run Club. Cause I was like, I, I know I was having all these clients doing these programs and there would be some people who could adhere to it. Like, okay, you're doing an 18 kilometer run on that Saturday, Sundays across training day, Monday, you're running 5k. Like, but then it's like they go on vacation or they get sick and mm-hmm. it completely derails them. Cause they're like, well, I missed this run. Do I do this week or do I move to the next week? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I missed two weeks. The marathon is in five weeks. How do I, and then they're like, yeah, I'm quitting. You know, it's right. like, I don't know. Whereas that's why I started run club. Cause like I can like, someone can say like, I missed this whole week of running or I have a bit of a niggly injury. It's like, okay, let's back off and new approach to build back up. Yeah. It's just, it's not like holding yourself to something that is extremely rigid. And I think ultra lends itself to that. As long as you're getting in volumes mm-hmm. in some way, it's not like as meticulous as some, some of the other sports or like even endurance events. Yeah. Like consistency and time on your feet and nutrition, yeah. those three things are that's like essentially you're just practicing for doing that for a long period of time that's all it is like whether or not you have speed workouts in there are those helpful once in a while yeah but if you don't have those is that gonna like make or break your race probably not yeah it's not like you're a pro (laughs) so do you find it easier to train when you first signed up you were i think three to three and a half months postpartum somewhere Mm -hmm. in there you're still breastfeeding And one of your goals was to get back to CrossFit. And then you also were running a marathon. And I think it was like five months or six months. Mm -hmm. And you had the goal of qualifying for Boston in the future. Like that was one of your goals Mm -hmm. because we asked questions like, what's your biggest fitness related goal? And since then you've done Boston. Did you find training for Boston harder or easier than training for this hundred miler coming up in a month? I don't know probably a mix. You have very specific workouts when you're trying to make a time-based goal like that. And those are important, like when you're trying to get into that faster pace time, but it was way less time. Mm-hmm. Like I had three quality runs a week. And so those were a bit easier to fit in, but like like putting 
my kid in the stroller was not an option. Mm -hmm. Like I can't go do speed workouts with them. So that's where it's like easier with the ultra running is I just have way more flexibility. I think I'm enjoying the ultra stuff more than the Boston. Not that I didn't enjoy the Boston build, but it's, I think it's exciting to see, like, I thought this was going to be a lot harder than it has been. It's just, it's been really fun and it's fun to do it with my kids sometimes. So cool. So then, yeah, you mentioned nutrition. So let's talk about that. When you came to tactic, you found us online. You you mentioned you, when I I actually looked back on your intake form and you said you, when we always ask like, how'd you hear about us? Cause it's nice to know. Mm -hmm. And you said you had been following us on Instagram for over a year. Yeah. Took a long time to win you over. I know. And this was like way back before you guys rebranded and before you went viral. Remember (laughs) when you like really exploded? I don't know how I found you. I'm sure someone at the CrossFit gym followed you. So then I found you and I liked your stuff. And then I think when I was three months postpartum, I was just at a point where I was so overwhelmed and I was going back to work and I had a toddler who was resisting a diaper and I had to potty train her. Like that was some of the hardest months of my life so far. I remember reaching out to you to sign up thinking like, this is stupid. I don't need another thing <laughs> on my plate. But like I, I wanted to because I wanted something for myself. And then I think I followed you on Instagram too, your personal page. And I was like, you know what? She runs marathons and she does CrossFit. Sold. So then I just, I reached out and started. I was like, I'll do six months. I thought I would do six months and then be done. I thought it was going to be like, oh, I'm going to lose my baby weight. I'll learn how to hit my macros perfectly forever. I don't know what I thought, but that's like certainly not what the journey has been. Yeah. Like I remember you signed up and you had listed as your goal performance Mm -hmm. because, you know, we have a a little bit of a, it's like a mix between a short answer form and a multiple choice. So it says, well, what are your main goals? And it's like weight loss, leaning out, performance, overall health, other, and then you can write it down. And a lot of people often will say like, weight loss. And then they, they describe all of the goals down below. Cause we asked, describe your goals in your own words as well, which gives us a better idea. And then it also is like goal, current body weight, desired body weight. And so you had the goal of losing like 15 pounds, mm-hmm. but I liked how you, you'd said like your, your goal was performance. And then you kind of outlined how you wanted to get back into CrossFit and that sort of thing. And then you had the marathon, but then I started getting to know you and you would tell me things like, I used to do these extreme diets Mm -hmm. and like my relation i want to repair my relationship with food like and it kind of came after i started getting to know you more through our conversation like you had a whole history yeah despite like all of this these athletic accomplishments this whole history of like battling food and like what to do and, and finding something that was like consistent and sustainable and like some of the diets you told me that you had done Mm -hmm. are ones that like we kind of not only poo-poo, but kind of make fun of. Yeah. We were talking about this the other day. Sometimes we get people who've done all those diets and they're very extreme and they're very rigid and it's to do this, don't do this. You can have this. You can't have this. It's very like we're, you get told what to do. Mm-hmm. I've never done one, but I have an idea. Whereas like we are more like, how do you feel about this? Where do you feel like you can improve? And a lot of people are resistant to that because they're Mm -hmm. like, what is this? This isn't what I know. This isn't what works. This isn't what every other person has ever told me to do. Like, why are you right? But it's also like, well, logically, none of what you've done in the past has worked. So maybe try something new. And when you, you were just in it, you never questioned, 
But you basically were be like, well, this is very different than what I've ever been told. I remember the first time you told me, well, you can just like not log a meal sometimes or you can just shoot for calories one day. And I remember thinking like, what? <laughs> you want me to be like perfect and be like so. But it was the, the concept of being pretty good most of the time. That was very new because I don't think that there's I mean, now that I followed you guys enough, I think my algorithm will show me more people that also support that mentality. But just in general, that's not what the nutrition space preaches. Here's what you need to do. Here's the rules that you need to follow. And I think sometimes we latch onto that of if I if I just know exactly what to do and I just have these rules, that'll fix everything. That's sending you further down a dark hole of a unhealthy relationship with food. Because actually I thought it was, oh, I'm supposed to hit my macros perfectly every day and that's what's going to fix this. And then I think the more we work together, the more I realize like why I behaved the way that I did with food was due to all these things in my past. I mean, it goes, I remember just thinking that I was fatter than everyone as a kid. And then, so then behaving a certain way with food around that. And then, you know, you get into college and you want to look a certain way, but you also want to party or eat whatever you want. And so you, okay, well, if I just do this here on the weekdays, then on the weekends, I can splurge. And then how that, some of that sticks with you. Like you keep, like you try different things and you keep little bits of them. And I had so much baggage from the unhealthy things that I dabbled in. Name some of the things that you've tried in the past. Let's see. I've done the 30 day fix. That's a beach body thing, I think, okay. where it's like you have your little containers. And I've done I've done whole 30 because I used to teach less mills and they're they're very big on stuff like that. So then it's like no sugar and cleansing your body of that for, from for a month. And then what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but nobody asks that on day one. And then going right back <laughs> to your old yeah. habits. But like when I did that one, I have this friend who told me, she's like, well, I just have these rules of how I'm supposed to eat and I just stick to those. I'm like, well, that, okay, then I, that's what I need. I just need rules that I can follow. Yeah. But it, it doesn't work. I've also done, oh, it's the, the name of it's escaping me right now. It's, it's very close to keto. Oh, Code Red. I've done Code Red. Okay. Code Red sounds so aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've, I've done a bodybuilding show. That was pretty damaging. The coach I had at the time, like it started with hit your food perfectly all week. And then it would be like from this time, like 9 p.m. on Friday until 9 p.m. on Sunday, you can eat whatever you want. The window of cheating would get shorter and shorter and shorter. So then it would be like one day and then one meal. Yeah. That sounds so bad. Like it would just create a real like feeling of restriction. And then when you have that window, it's like, I can only eat now, yeah. which is what a lot of people struggle with. Like, oh, I only go for dinner, you know, every Saturday is a special date night with my husband. And like, you know, I never ever get dessert because I don't keep it in my house and I, you know, never allow myself. So when I get a free meal, I just go bonkers. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like that guilt on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So that would really be kind of. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to eat less today to make yeah. up for what I did yesterday. Yeah. It's a whole cycle. How did you get into running? Was it at all tied to like a lot of people start running to look a certain way? Oh, okay. So I got into running in high school because my best friend signed up for this half marathon locally. That's like really hard and I'm competitive. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that with you. And I ran it and was very undertrained and hated it. But then you get the bug. You're yeah, like, everyone hates their first race. Yeah, it's not good. But I was, so I was in orchestra and 
I didn't have time for school sports. So that's like where the running piece, like I could run whenever. So that's how running started. And then over the next like 15 years, it was, I do more and more running races. And then, oh, I guess I'll try a triathlon. And then endurance sports are fun because you just keep showing yourself that you're capable of more, which I, I think that's what's addicting about it. Which is why you signed up for the 100 miles. Yeah. So you're like, well, I've done 100K. So I guess I'll do 100 miles. Yeah. I, re- I learned yesterday there's a 200-mile race. Yeah. They, I mean, they have – there's 250-mile races. There's crazy stuff. Yeah. There's always people crazier than you think. <laughs> That's nuts. So your experience with Tactic. So we've been – like I said, we've been working together for a year and a half. You're committing to – or at least you told me you're committing to a 1,000 days because we listened to a podcast, which we've – I think we talked about on this podcast, Meredith and I, about – that thousand day mark where it's mm-hmm. like you do it something for a thousand days. That's how long it takes you to know if it's something you feel like is valuable to continue doing. A thousand days is actually pretty quick. So if we're at a year and a half, we're almost halfway. No, we are oh, over halfway. Okay. Yeah. So time flies when you're having fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we talked a little bit about like the expectations before we re- rebranded. We originally started tactic targeting because I think that's what we felt more, more most comfortable with like more of an elite athlete and mm-hmm. it was there was a spin-off CrossFit like a little bit more intimidating and that was the reason we rebranded because we're getting more people who weren't intense I'll yeah. say that and that scared people off and I think too when you you would refer people like your sister for mm-hmm. example you were like no 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 it's not how it seems yeah people would say like well, do they only work with athletes? I'm like, what? No. And my sister works with a completely different coach. Her goals are very different than mine. Like we like to talk to each other about whatever our goals are. You're probably both like, well, my coach is better. No, my coach is better. <laughs> my coach is better. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember when she told me that she got a video call with her coach the first week. I was like, ah, Alex didn't do that with me. <laughs> How's your experience been with Tactic? Oh, yeah. Like I kind of said, like I signed up thinking that hitting your macros was the goal. And then as we got to know each other and as you guys shifted in like the videos and reels that you come out with, which are always very helpful in your podcast and just learning about more about your whole approach. I think I just uncovered so much more stuff. Like people are really surprised when they find out that I'm working with you for a thousand days because a lot of people will say, well, you've always been so good with your food. Which I think to everyone else, when they they look, they see like, oh, well, you're running and you're like such a good athlete, like food must come easy to you. But there's so much internally going on that I think it's very helpful to like sort out and work through. So that's kind of been like the evolution of it is like now I'm working with you on how to get away from logging all the time and how to be a good example to my kids and making it work for my whole life, like you start to really, you're developing habits that are sustainable versus like, you're not just doing a plan. Okay. Here's your plan, Tanya. Do it every day. That's not what it is at all. It's here was this interaction that I had with food. Here's how I felt about it emotionally. Mm-hmm. Here's, and then like, sometimes you'll sort through like, okay, well, did this happen or this happen? But it, it's a lot of me talking through why I behaved the way that I did. And then unpacking like, is my mentality about that true? Or is it skewed because of something that I picked up on in the past? I I tell you all the time that I have like these voices in my head that I have the ones from my unhealthy relationship with food just get quieter. Like they're never going to go away. Like what would those voices be saying? Like the day after I maybe ate too much in a meal and I know like I should have stopped here and being like, well, you shouldn't eat. 
you should make up for that calorie deficit. Like that voice is actually gone. I don't ever wake up thinking that anymore. What would you be thinking instead? I don't. It's like, okay, it's a new day. Go. Yeah. Just back to normal as if it didn't happen. Yeah. Like in the grand scheme of things, I just realized that was one day and like, I'm confident that I'm consistent overall and that doesn't need to be a thing to worry about. You know, we were having this conversation with our coaches the other day and some people call our coaching a program that bothers us because it's like, it's not a program. It's not something that everybody signs up for and just walks through in the same way. It's coaching. And like a coach coaches every client or athlete in a different way, depending on their needs. I message every client on a Monday and a Friday and every message is different. If it, if it was a program, it wouldn't be that way. It's not like you sign up and you do this. Yes, we have like a general approach, which is like very much macros based because we find that it's great for education. For example, like if you go out to a chain restaurant, you order a salad and you log it and you're like, holy smokes, this thing has 50 grams of carbs in it or fat. That is an educate. That is education. Yes. Like if I see someone log a salad that has 50 grams of fat, I'm not like, why the hell did you order that salad? Surprisingly, a lot of fat in those salads. Hey, they're like, oh yeah, I probably should have checked before I went. And that's like, it's little things like that that evolve the relationship and the direction that you go. And it's like, you start with tracking because it's a great education. And then as things come up, the approach evolves. So it's like, hey, I'm going on this vacation and I'm going to, I want to make it look like this is what would success would look like for me kind of thing. It's not like, hey, I'm going on vacation. I'm not going to be able to do the program. I need to pause my membership. It's not what nutrition coaching is. That's not what nutrition is. It's in, in, involved in every aspect of your life. So it's like coaching is learning how to do what is right for you in every given situation, whether it's like training for a race, going on vacation, just like sometimes it's losing weight, sometimes maintaining weight and that sort of thing. And I think I mean, we have a podcast. I can't remember what number it is. It's like the pillars of a good client. I send that to anyone who asks me. You're like, here's a little bit about me. That one and the one about uh, what it's like working with us. Yeah. I mean, like you're an ideal client because we've been working together for a year and a half. And I have a lot of clients that have been working together for even longer. And those are the clients that come to me with like, hey, I had this last night for dinner. And like, this is what came up. You know, the ones that are proactive, even about messaging me, like they're, they want to hear my feedback. They want to bring things up to me. It's like the people who are going to therapy and like excited to go and like work on this. Yeah. Whereas like some of the other clients that I've had for a long time, like, you know, you still might be providing value, but it's a little bit about like pulling teeth. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, we, we're not just tracking macros here. Like, let's dig a little deeper. Like, do you want to continue tracking macros? You're very trusting, but you're also super proactive. Or like, you'll say like, I'm going to be going on vacation. I'm going to do this, this, this. I'm a little concerned about this bit. What do you think? And yeah, that's great. And I think that's part of the reason you've had so much success and why there's still so much value in our relationship. I think once I shifted my mindset, like after I initially signed up to like, okay, this is just an investment for as long as I need it to help me repair my relationship with food. That was really helpful because like, I mean, you guys talk about not putting timeframes on your goals. And I think that was really important for me because like I quantify my success with you guys like over very long periods of time. Like I went, my family always goes up to our cabin for the 4th of July. And so when I looked at how, and I don't log, I don't want to take a scale. I just mm -hmm. want to be present with my family. And when I look at how it went this year compared to last year, like that sort of progress is amazing. I remember feeling pretty guilty after the trip last year, like knowing I made some positive improvements, but kind of feeling like, how am I ever not going to need Alex? Like that's kind of what, but then this year, like with a whole other year of experience under my belt and 
just learning more about myself and developing more positive habits with food, it went really well. Like, and I think I told you, I was like, yeah, there were like two times when I was definitely eating candy and knew I should stop. But, and then I stopped sooner than I would have before. And then I moved on. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Those types of changes. I mean, you're, say you're 30 years or older. For a lot of people, some stuff like their food, like you mentioned, history with food started when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. Like those experiences shape who you are today. And so you're carrying 20, 25 years of, of that, those thought patterns, that baggage, the perception of yourself. It's not going to change in a week. No. And it's certainly not going to change just by hiring someone. Like you can't throw money at a problem like that. It requires a lot of like active, intentional work that goes so far beyond just logging your food. Yeah. I think the client has to do just, just as much work as the If coach. not more. Yeah. Yeah. Like I sometimes think like a lot of my like communication with clients is almost like an act of journaling it's for them. It's like you get to journal about how you feel with no, but someone listening and pro providing feedback on the other end without judgment. Yeah. It took me a while to open up to you about certain things, but even like, I think it was a month or two ago, I told you, I was like, okay, yesterday I ate this. I knew I blew my fat and I didn't log it because I was scared to look at the number. So then we unpacked that. Why am I scared to see that I ate more fat or whatever it was? But your coach isn't going to know what you thought in the moment. Like, and you have to remember that and tell them and then they'll help you process it. Yeah, it's been valuable for, I think, I, I mean, even every every client I have, I learn a lot. Mm -hmm. But even, yeah, working with you, I've learned a lot and it has made me become a better coach. And then, of course, it's always nice when I get to meet the client in person. Yeah. <laughs> so how was it meeting me in person and me and Meredith? Well, I was nervous to meet Meredith. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Because she's so smart. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to take that as a... <laughs> well, okay. So I think it's like you both were exactly what I thought, but I see you on Instagram all the time. Yeah. So what do I have going for me if Meredith is so smart? You're funny. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> we're also like, we have very similar like behaviors and thought processes. Yeah. It's like really funny to watch you two interact. Because I see so many similarities to my husband and I. And just like, you'll say something. And then I'm like, huh, I know what I'm like, going to respond to this. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember, like, we talk about this sometimes when we check in with each other. But it'll be like, I don't, I'll, usually it comes off our one of our Instagrams. Like, oh, Meredith didn't load the dishwasher. Or so you're like, oh, mm -hmm. man, I know how you feel. This one time, Andy, you know, took a toilet out and. <laughs> oh, yeah. He left the toilet. <laughs> we had this old toilet and he left it in the driveway. I, did I, did I, yeah, you did. And I was like, oh my God, we're, we're married to the same person. Yeah. I was like, it just needs to go in the trash. Just needs to go in the trash. But I like didn't address it. It was the principle of the thing. I was like, he, how long is that toilet yeah. going to sit in our driveway? And how long did it? <laughs> a while. I think it was a couple of weeks until finally I snapped. You're like this, that, I don't want to be that house. <laughs> <laughs> we're like on the busy street corner too. Yeah. People could see it. Yeah. And of course, Andy like, feels like a, a bond with Meredith for all those same reasons. He'd be like, did you see Meredith's post? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be, it's like the wrong kind of validation. Yeah. <laughs> but we all have our strengths. As you, you probably realize, sit, sitting here recording this podcast, I have absolutely no idea how to work technology. Yes. We kept having glitches and it was like, Meredith, Meredith, Meredith. Meredith tried to work out. But instead, she's sitting right here next yeah, to us. Yeah, she has to make sure everything goes. And, and of course, now that she's sitting here, we've had zero technical difficulties. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So we're as cool as we are online in person. Yes. So, okay. So I'm just going to ask you a question. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But a lot of people 
because we're nutrition coaches, have an expectation of like how we eat. Oh, yeah. Or like how we order at a restaurant or they feel insecure about the way they eat around Mm -hmm. us. Did you experience any of that? Or because of our messaging on Instagram, are you kind of like, yeah, it was like, no. no, Or like what seeing being around me eating in any way. Did was there anything that I think if I had visited last year, I would have been nervous, especially in the last six months. I've kind of figured out that like you're a human mm-hmm. <laughs> like and you have the same like you'll sometimes have either the same struggles with food but also you really practice what you preach which is balance you know yeah and no i didn't feel like that at all like it was almost like several times you're like oh i can give you the macros for that and i'm like no nah, i'm not logging and you're like okay and just yeah wasn't a thing and the other night walking in on your guys's moment together <laughs> i was <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So this was the first night you were the here. first night I was, and here. we had spent I don't know an hour getting ready for the ultra because I had basically just decided yeah. I haven't done any planning. So I was like, "Holy crap! I have no idea what my numbers need to be for like an eight hour run." Thankfully, I had a good stash of stuff. We had like the whole table f- covered in. Yeah, and I was like, "Hey, how much?" Like I was doing the math in my head. Meredith was no help because she was making us dinner. But I was trying to figure out like what I needed to carry and put in because it's you have to be very organized. Yeah, you, have, you do. You have to drop off your aid bags ahead of time. And you have to know what you're going to need to replenish after three or four hours. Mm-hmm. You have to know how many hours, give or take, because then if something goes wrong, you might need extra. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to sort through. Yeah. And then it's like, I was like, well, am I going to need to change my shoes? Mm-hmm. It was a whole thing. So we know each other well through text but like when you meet someone in person it's always a little bit weird yeah yeah so i i basically i let rue out downstairs which is kind of where you you sleep mm-hmm. so i was heading up the stairs and like hey good night and every and because it was a late decision i kind of had to do like a rushed carb load at, in the evening so i had a bowl of cereal i had some other stuff and then every night before bed i have some ice cream and it's out of the container and it's like it's just what i do it's like it's not like i eat a whole bunch of ice cream meredith and i usually do it together we grab a spoon and we have our ice cream and it's just like a little nightcap. But then last night, we had kind of said goodnight to you. Mm-hmm. And then I walked upstairs and I was like, ah, I just ate a lot of carbs. Like, I don't really know if I need the ice cream. But I was like, well, extra calories are a good idea. And like, I enjoy it. And we have had a leftover half like ice cream cake from Dairy Queen from Meredith's birthday the weekend before. So instead of eating out of a carton of ice cream, we have been picking at the cake. With forks. With forks. So we're not like cutting slices. So doing what I tell my clients not to do, at least certain clients. I'm like, I was like, you know, cut yourself a slice, sit down at a table and enjoy it. Meredith and I caught red handed. So I'm like, you're good night. You like close the door. I'm like, okay, we're good. But it really wasn't like, well, I forgot my phone charger. So I was like, oh, I need to go upstairs and get my phone charger. And I get to the top of the stairs and I just see your faces like you're both of you are wide eyed, just staring at me. And I was like, what did I walk in on? Like, because I didn't see the cake at first and I was really confused. <laughs> and you were both just like frozen. And then I see the cake and we all just start laughing. And then I was just offended you didn't invite me. And then I just explained <laughs> that it wasn't that we didn't invite you and we're intentionally excluding you. It was the fact that I had just decided to have an ice cream cake last minute. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I, you did invite me, but I had already brushed my teeth. So yeah. I passed. But yeah, I would. Early on with clients, I'm not going to be like, yeah, I struggle with that too. It's not about me. But it it's sometimes like the other day you were saying like, I overate something. And I was like, and then you were like, well, do you ever do that? Mm-hmm. And I just had so happened like the day before I 
my mom was here and she brought a bunch of cookies and I put a bunch on my plate sitting next to me at work and was just like munching on them. And I was like, ah, you know what? I think I ate too many cookies. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm too full and I'm going for a run later. Probably wasn't smart. It happens. Mm-hmm. And like just sometimes having that like comfort of saying it's sometimes as much as we can work on it, as much as we can like be intentional and aware of what we're putting in our bodies, our biology is is a certain way that it just doesn't match our food environment. So we had a conversation about that. And like, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a constant struggle. Like it's nutrition is really hard for a lot of, even people who seem to have it all together. It's, it's constant. It's making it as good as can be given our food environment, given the fact that we have, you know, family who might differ in our, in their approach or be harsh or judgmental or like, you know, friend groups or whatever it may be. It's just like, it's a constant, I don't want to say battle, but like balance, I would say. Yeah, it is. And then you, if you decide to make certain changes, then people will ask you why you're doing that. And then you feel challenged to like defend the way that you're eating. You know, there's, there's so many layers to it. You were even saying today on our, we went for a walk with Brew and you're like, it was refreshing seeing, cause we had some social events Mm -hmm. yesterday after the race, which probably wasn't the best decision in hindsight. (laughs) We were struggling to stay awake. You're like, it was so refreshing that you guys weren't really drinking or having a non-alcoholic beer. No one made a comment. Yeah. Which my husband and I, like now that we've gotten more into non-alcoholic beers just because it supports our goals and our lifestyle more, we almost always have to have the conversation of, well, why would you, you know, d- defending why we make that choice instead of having regular beer. But yeah, it was so nice. Just people just letting you guys be you. Yeah. I think part of it is just the community that we put ourselves like it's an it's a certain community and it's like people know us well enough now. Yeah. But- and I think a lot of that comes from like people being curious because they're also interested mm-hmm. sometimes or just maybe feeling challenged about their own decisions. I think that's 100%. like more often than not the case is that they feel challenged about the decisions they're making. Oh, well, you're doing that because we don't care what other people do. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it puts up a mirror in front of them. It's like, well, you're drinking non-alcoholic and and they know alcohol isn't good for them. Everyone right. knows that. Yeah. So it just I think it kind of makes some people feel bad mm-hmm. if they're not confident or like comfortable in their decisions or whatever it may be, their balance. But I don't know. I think we always say like, we don't have to manage other people's feelings. That's something I learned recently. And that's like helpful. Mm-hmm. You can still do you and be respectful of other people. And you don't have to manage if like the fact that you drink non-alcoholic beer makes them feel bad. Yeah, I'm not telling you that now. I think you know that. Yeah. But like, it's sometimes helpful for other people to hear. But yeah, thanks for coming out. Yeah, Any, thanks for having me. Anything else to add? I don't think so. You refer a lot of people to us. I do. I do refer a lot of people to if you. If you had to, so I actually have two questions to, to finish up. If someone were to say like, why should I sign up? What would you say to them? I would say it's an investment in yourself and like your overall happiness and balance in life. It's more than nutrition coaching, I think. I think you can apply a lot of the principles that you guys preach to any aspect of your life. The telling you guys, I call it the tactic method. I, I did it to my lawn. Like my lawn is a disaster, but it looks better this summer than it did last summer. And then next summer, it's gonna, instead of being like, well, I didn't weed everything, so I'm just not going to weed. It's, it's a really good investment in yourself. I mean, you, if you ask my husband, like I am just overall a more content person, I think, since I've started working with you guys I and mean, he loves it i do think that's the biggest reason that's what i would t- and it's it's so personalized like you are not going to get like your approach how many check-ins you get you're not going to get that anywhere else i don't think i've never found something like it 
But that's usually why I suggest, especially if people are having the same struggles I did or, you know, their own struggles. I don't ever tell people, yeah, you should sign up. Like, I want it to be their decision. But those are the things that I emphasize. Like, this has really changed my life. Like, some people do not believe me when I tell them I don't binge eat anymore. They don't. I'm like, you don't have to live like that. You start to believe that that's just normal, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And I think to qualify that, like, we help people with a lot of different things, but it and we've mentioned this before just in this podcast, it takes two. You know, there might be some people listening who are with us right now being like, well, shit, I'm not having that kind of success. Yeah. But it's everyone's different. Some people yeah. take longer. Some people are quick to kind of t- like to recognize things and, and change. And some people, maybe it's not the right fit. And some people may not just be putting in the same amount of work, just not knowing exactly. So it's, it's always like a work in progress and like, asking your coach or making sure your coach has a good understanding of what you need help with and being very vocal and upfront about that. If you're not getting something that you feel like you need, and this is a a good reminder, like everybody is different Mm -hmm. and it's just like staying open and curious and all that. Um, Yeah. And I think you, you're always, you've told me that you're always, you're always doing your best in whatever moment with any client. And I think that the client also needs to do that. So like if I have an interaction where I'm like, wow, I got a lot out of that. Then I have to think back, okay, what did I do? Because I need to continue doing that for more success. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, it is, it does take time. Like I, like sometimes there would be three months time where I didn't have an aha moment, but then I'd have one. Like we don't do a lot of marketing of our coaching. We just put out information that suggests what we can offer to people. But these like podcasts and like real world success stories, I'm going to call it that because it is that can be the case if, if you get the right combination and the right effort and, and that sort of thing, it's not. It's not just you sign up and you're going to get the, right. these results. It's like, it's a very effortful relationship. And I think it kind of on the same lines, like you guys help your clients do what works for you and your family. A question I get a lot is, do you make yourself different food than what you make your family? And the answer is absolutely not. Yeah. Or like, I was going to ask you about how you weigh in front of your kids yeah. when they ask. Yeah. That's been helpful. Like I always eat the same things for dinner. If I do weigh my food, I'm, I don't hide it from my kids, but I explain it as this is what mom needs to make sure she has enough energy for her runs. I talk about food very positively that way. And even my, my four-year-old, she'll, when she's eating, she'll be like, I need to make sure I have energy for the day. Like, you know, and even, you know, if she asks for a cookie in the morning, she's starting to learn like, okay, cookies are great, but maybe not the first thing we're going to eat just because we want to make sure that we can take on the day or however you want to explain it to your kids. Like that has been really helpful to be able to integrate all of that with my family and not be like, Hey, here's your spaghetti. I'm going to have a chicken and broccoli on the side. I think that would almost mess them up more to be like, Mm -hmm. why does mom need to eat that? But she can't eat that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's good. I think a a lot of parents struggle with that. But that's also been like a development, I think, in us working together, because sometimes when you sign up for something, you want the answer right then. Like it'll take some time for you to learn and try different things and think about like, okay, how am I going to approach this? How am I going to talk to my kids about it? How am I going to integrate this into my life? And you have that time with your coach because you have so many, you have so many Mm check-ins and you can say, okay, I tried this total fail. Let's try something else. Yeah. There are some people who come and they already, they've already been so like, I, I have a client recently who has a a kid who's severely celiac Mm -hmm. and she's like, I, I, he, he makes, we make all his food separately and like, you know, we travel a lot. So I make all of our meals and they're already prepackaged and all that. 
So it's like, I don't have to have the conversation of like, hey, do you like eat something different? I don't put, we don't put it in the plan. Like if you are a mom and you have kids that are this age to this age, this is how you should do it. But like, you know, some people sign up for the plan only and it's like, they don't have that guidance Mm -mm. and we're not moms. So a lot of it is like these conversations or learning from other clients to being saying like, this is what's worked for other clients. Yeah. I'm not a mom, so I can't say what I do with my kids. We do have a mom on staff who shares things in, in meetings, but for the most part, it's all about just like learning and trying and figuring out what's worked for you. Like some people maybe have always eaten different meals from their kids and that works. Maybe their kids only like my, my cousin's cousin used to only eat hot dogs growing up. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, no, he might want a different meal every meal, but the, the last question was something that I was reminded of today when I was looking back in your intake form is that you were a band, a violinist. Oh, yeah. So do you have any, did you ever go to band camp? Yeah. Do you have any stories from band camp? And if you tell one, can you say this one time at band oh, camp? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, it's technically orchestra, Alex. Okay, sorry. <laughs> orchestra camp? <laughs> I'm like, was that like not funny? I mean, I was... <laughs> Okay. It's not what's, your best. Okay, what's what's one good story as like a I'm so not a musical person. Was it kind of like sports? Like it's just kind of different. Being in orchestra is like being in a sorority, only like way cooler. Like because you're like <laughs> says the person in orchestra. So tight knit. Yeah, you know what? We're cool, okay? <laughs> no, we did cool things. We used to uh, go to quartet camp in Crested Butte, Colorado every summer, which was very cool. We'd like fly fish and explore and then play concerts. I don't know. That sounds wild. (laughs) Hey, we did know how to party. I will tell you that. Did you? Our band, like band orchestra, like they party hard. Orchestra parties? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was a keg at my senior recital party. Do you play orchestra music at those parties or is it like. No, you're partying after the recital. Okay. Not actually, but like, okay. I get it. Yeah. So you were like, it's regular. Yeah. Okay. We're just normal people yeah. like you. <laughs> Meredith's rolling her eyes at me. Cool. Well, I have enjoyed our, your trip. I'm glad you came because otherwise I probably wouldn't have done the race. And it was a really, really fun experience. I enjoyed it too. And I'm excited to continue to work with you and, and see how you do in your 100 miler mm-hmm. in, on August 26th. Yep. And see what else you accomplish. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Thanks again for coming on. <laughs>